Hi there, this is Tell Me About Your Elf. It's a show where I interview people and characters they play in Dungeons and Dragons and other similar role-playing games. I am your host, Cole Laster, and today's guest is Bart of the Thieves Can't webcomic. Uh, so, Bart, tell me about your elf. Which one? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Like, this is a unique situation in which you're my first guest that has, well, in this case, air quote, multiple elves. Let's start with your warlock, Candor, I believe. Okay, so her name is Candor Dauntless, and she she's kind of a fictional amalgamation of characters I've had throughout the years. She's like the personality of characters, uh, kind of sliced apart, and I have taken like the most extreme types of a certain kind of player and used them to create this. Uh, well, it's really become the main character of the Thieves' Camp comic. So she's uh, she's a tiefling warlock, and she's whatever level I need her to be at any given time. I've got her statted out 1 through 20 as a couple of different specs. And um, I'll bounce her around some like, crazy ideas. And um, she's always interested in justice. So she's like some, some somewhere on the good spectrum, probably neutral good and is super interested in avoiding conflict. So, like, she hyper-loves the role-playing pillar of the game, the, the social pillar of the game, to the extent that she will derail a campaign to not kill a single goblin, or, uh, or really any kind of... Uh, if she can avoid any kind of violence, she will. I had uh, done, of course, some light research prior, and I'd noticed that, like, that, I think, is a very interesting way for, like, this is also, you're in another unique category of guests, in which not only is this, as you mentioned, this is an amalgamation of different people stitched together into this person who plays this character, you almost have two elves that you've brought, and it's the character, or the, per the character of the person playing Candor, and also Candor Dauntless, I love the I love the name. It's a great name, and also like just going through, she seems to be a character that I would enjoy being in a campaign with. Role play focused, good, and and like like Warlock always comes off to me as like a ooh like maybe like not necessarily on the good side. So to see a I don't know if lawful can be technically it, but the avoiding murder, quick to role play, quick to be a problem solver. She's a very interesting character at the very least. Well, thank you. Um, she's so but the non-violence part is her way of metagaming. Uh, I know. So every character has their theme in the comic. Candor Dauntless is the the character who themes around the social part of the game. Uh, Keely is the barbarian. She focuses around the combat pillar of the game, and Reynaldo, the paladin focuses on the exploration part of the game. Then there's this rogue who's just a newbie. He's all over the place. So Candor Dauntless's way of, her player's way of min-maxing around the social pillar was to pick a warlock. She knows she's going to have to fight eventually, but if she can save those very, very few spell slots she gets for the few combats that she's in, if she tries to make the combat only the most important story-driven stuff, then she'll always have all of her stuff ready to fight. She'll always have her spell slots, always have her class features up. So it's it's also kind of that clever player min-maxing you see, and that hasn't come up 
in the comics yet because I'm still writing issue three and we've been doing a lot of one-shot jokes lately. But it, it really is part of the min-maxing. Like, she's not a cleric specifically because that's not a charisma class. It does seem that she is very quick to do this kind of subversing away from combat. And, and like, I don't know many people that play Warlocks. I know literally one. And he's also the kind of guy who really likes roleplay. And he's also a guy who likes to avoid combat. And also, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like... I think maybe that's why I, like, latched on to Kandor when I was flipping through, that I was like, I know this person. I know this person, and, like, this makes it very real. Like, that being said, like, I also know Keeley. All the characters are super relatable, and I don't have a whole lot of D&D experience. Like, you know, so it was like, the, the accessibility was something that, I mean, brought me in as well. Like, so, we already know what she looks like, because you, you're in the visual spectrum. May I say something? Sure, go for it. I want to point out that warlocks are the class that bump into an elder god, and instead of rolling initiative, say, let's make a deal. Yeah, actually, let's move into that. How did she make her deal? Like, this is an elder god. It's the old ones, right? Like, if we're going by the PHB, it's the great old ones? She's got uh, four different, five different patron variants written up. The two that we've seen in the comics so far are Great Old One and um, Archfey. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called Archfey. In the canon storyline version, her patron is the Archfey, and she made a deal to uh, get herself out of a bad situation in academia. She, she had a job she hated, and uh, she's working for this wizard's guild, pushing paper for days hates it absolutely hates it but it's the safest thing for her because she has trouble walking for plot reasons that haven't been up in the comic spoilers if you look closely at her shoes you will see that they're um inch they're they're unique and that's because she has hooves and hooves don't super work well with human legs So, so she's got you know prosthetic boots that help her walk around and she made a deal with uh mab the the queen of the unseelie court to adventure on her behalf, and um, she she has a mission. I don't want I don't want to say what her mission is into a podcast because I don't want to give tons and tons of spoilers away. But she's oh, yeah, working no. for Queen Mab. The NPCs in the world are in the in the story version are going to think that she's not a warlock. They're going to think she's a sorcerer or a wizard or, or something like that. But you know, obviously, all the players at the table understand she's a warlock. So. And of course, like just for further, uh, anything that isn't in the comics yet, or anything like that, that can be too a little bit too spoilery. Of course, like don't worry about. Like this is a. Uh, so far, I've had to tell guests tell me what you know. In this case, you know quite a lot about this character. Tell me what you're comfortable telling. Right on. Uh, her, her other patron is a giant angry mimic, and I, I love that so much. I ended up making my own subclass for it and sharing it. It's on the website if you want to find it. But uh, it's technically still the great old one in all my paperwork. And it's a giant angry mimic from the Chaos Realm, and she made it to troll her DM. How did you come up with her name? So, Phobes Cant is actually a spin-off comic. Most people don't realize that. It's a spin-off of the Roman Empire universe. Now, for context, near as I can tell with the, the equipment I have, Thieves Cant has about 5,000 readers. At the, and that's the top end. Like, I think I have at maximum 5,000 readers. Roman Empire had 200. 
So most people don't pick up that it's a spinoff. So, so actually, Candor Dauntless is an Asian exchange student from another comic I used to make. And I know a lot about her personality because I wrote her for years and years and years. And she likes anime. She likes um, chick flicks. She likes uh, uh, the soft young adult sci-fi. And she's a huge part of those fandoms in a positive way. In fact, her character existed so that I could show someone who was... uh, gamer girl slash nerd girl who got the deep references and, and showed them in a positive way. Um, I didn't get tons of time with her pu- published face, so like if you go around looking and go, oh, which one is playing Candor? You actually won't see her a lot in the comics. She wasn't a main character. But I knew a lot about her from my pre-writing. And because I knew what that character's goals were, it's super easy to write Candor as an expression of that other character. So Candor Dauntless comes from, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's a a popular young adult science fiction uh, set of books. Wait wait a second. Hey, honey. What sci-fi series does Candor's name come from? Divergent. Divergent. It's called the Divergent series. My wife is in the room. Um, So Candor picked her name out of a sci-fi series she likes, and... Candor and Dauntless are both uh, factions in that sci-fi universe. So she just combined them together because tieflings have those uh, virtue names. Yeah, just the fact that this is like two separate characters that you threaded that needle. Like, for instance, like I've had one other tiefling on the show. And when explaining like, yeah, tieflings have like virtue names or something like that, literally it was like, no. <laughs> and we went a completely different route in like helping her name her character and having these two separate characters knowing one so well that you can make a character from her does she have any lucky charms she did but it it was really hard to draw so we stopped it's a a special glove she was uh, originally in concept she was super self-conscious about her walking disability and she wanted to draw attention away from it so she had this uh gauntlet that she pretended was the source of her magic powers uh, but really it was just a thing to get people to not look at her feet um but it was a pain in the ass to draw so it, it didn't end up making it into issue two and we just uh we horns do that because we were talking about it. i was like wait she has horns people are gonna be looking at her horns it's fine she doesn't need the damn glove i guess that's not really a lucky charm um Oh, you got me thinking about it, because the character is is Chinese in writing, and I don't know culturally how Chinese uh, luck charms work. I need the research. I'll do you one. Is there anything that is there anything that the player would bring to the table? I guess to signify Dauntless. For instance, like I would bring maybe a wand if my character was a wizard, like a toy wand or a pencil that would signify. Is there anything that the character would bring? for the session that Kandor exists in. I haven't given tons of thought to the table space, but if if I had to pause it, I would say that she has a, like she's specifically going to come wearing pants and she's specifically going to have a belt she wears to kind of uh, taunt someone else in the room. Again though, remember that this is a, a, a D&D comic coming out of kind of a fantasy teen drama. So, eh. 
yeah. or some stuff that won't translate super well to the setting. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Well, Candor, you did mention that she she was part of a wizard guild, so and she does not like it. Is this like kind of a run of the mill wizard wizard guild? Is there anything in particular that she doesn't like about it that's specific to the setting or? Uh, so it's very specifically uh, a magician's guild, and there are two versions of it. Because um, Candor is going to have kind of the same backstory in issue four as she does at the conclusion of issue three. But in issue four, we're switching over to kind of a spell jammer setting. Mm-hmm. Um, in both cases, though, they are a, a kind of a hostile force that's meant to contain magic more than it is to teach or to um, spread. Okay. So there's this magician's guild. But a la Baldur's Gate, if you're in one of the big cities and you use magic, these are the people who are going to come and find you. And they're the people who are going to find the, you know, that trope, that kind of biblical trope where people go around Mm -hmm. and find the powerful magic users to get them into the guild. Well, this isn't to train them so much as it is to keep them away from other people. And then a tiefling is born. This is the group that's going to come because tieflings have magic anyway. So she uh, she ended up in this guild, and she ended up with some kind of basement-dwelling library job pushing paper uh, until she was so miserable that she reached out to uh, Queen Mab. And, and that's her backstory in, in the, the kind of Brothers Grimm setting she's in right now mm-hmm. and in the Spelljammer setting that's coming up. All right. Uh, is she good with her finances? Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, in Roman Empire, are we talking the character or are we talking the player? In this case, the character. She's probably much, like, Candor was probably fantastic with money. Her, her player is not. Kind of a wish fulfillment, then. Yeah. Um, in fact, the next comic we put up uh, for Monday is, is going to address that directly. Ooh, I kind of got a sneak peek on that, then. Is, she, is Candor particularly well-read? Like, or the, I guess the character playing her. Absolutely. The character and the player are both incredibly literate. Um, the, 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 the character Candor is literate because she, she grew up in some kind of job managing paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Forbidden Spell Scrolls or something, um, where she's just having to like, catalog them. But the player, the kind of imaginary person puppeting the character, is an incredibly educated young woman uh, studying abroad and who's found kind of an offbeat business method uh, of keeping herself out of debt, keeping herself sending money home, but she's she's not good at keeping track of that money, so she's always having to go to more extreme lengths to make more, and... Um, Incredibly intelligent, though, but not not mathematically intelligent. Have you entertained what character voice, if she would have one? I imagine that the character would have an impeccable Midwestern American accent as wish fulfillment from the player. Um, But if I was making a Thieves' Camp cartoon and looking for actresses, I would probably look for someone with um, like South African or um, England or Australia, somewhere a little bit 
exotic to kind of push the idea that tieflings are a little different. So I have two completely different conflicting sensibilities there. Character voices do take, like, because sometimes you want one idea, you want another one. As far as I've gone, nobody I've interviewed has one. So you're the closest so far with even having an idea on what they sound like. Oh, I'm a chronic DM. I have character voices. I'm trying to build up the bravery to use my new voices in front of my players. That is also tough. Uh, we had a villain a while back that was having a hard time getting the villain voice down. And I mean, this is completely unrelated, but that's fine. That's that's what we're here for. But I was like trying to like, ah, yes, I am the villain. Trying to like really hammer it in. And then I realized that there's not, I tried a British accent. I couldn't quite get that down. Not, not without like making myself laugh and that I was trying to keep the mood. So eventually I think I set on a... Augusta Lawyer Man from the south side of the country and, you know, just kind of did like a near foghorn leghorn and it wound up working out with my party, at least. I have a villain in the game I'm running right now. Her name is Ma Kelly. She's a kind of a bandit lord. Kind of a mobster, really. And she she has like she has kind of a, a dusky, false Irish accent and she speaks in a low, gruff uh, because she's the villain, and I want her to sound just a little bit sinister, and uh, all the halflings in my setting have an Irish accent so that my players understand they're talking to a halfling without me having to tell them. And uh, they kind of adopted her, so now she's a good guy. <laughs> uh, and, and now you got to maintain the accent as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's... That's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's practice, too. Has the player considered cosplaying candor? Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. The, the player who... who so, so Zach and I, the guy who makes this comic with me, we disagree intrinsically about which characters from Robin Empire are playing, which characters in Thieves can't. So I'm going to say these things, and he's going to hear them, and then he's going to yell at me because... Uh, we, we do disagree about this, but the, the character, and I, I'm the writer, so I kind of have a giant override button here, <laughs> but uh, the character playing Candor does costume play almost for a living. Oh, for a living. All right. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a cam girl, so... All right, yeah, so then she would definitely have, like, maybe the, the shoulder-length cape, the... She would go to the DM, Sarah, uh, who makes costumes for the art department of her university, and they would make it together, probably. I would like that kind of hookup, too, so no. Right? I definitely understand why she's doing that. So she works pretty... She, she tends to intrinsically go away from combat as much as possible, so it's hard to imagine her. What is she like if she is unable to, like, how does she handle, like, rejection in that sense? Like, I guess, since we also know the DM in this case, do they ever butt heads, or is it just kind of, like, it's an understanding that, yeah, like, this is what's going to happen. Does the DM react well to Kandor throwing these soft wrenches? Because it's not really a, a combat thing. She's just trying to roleplay. Kandor would do much better in a game like Monster of the Week. Um, something with looser combat mm. rules, but she plays this crunchier game because her friends like it. She and the DM do butt heads uh, because Candor 
spends a lot of time on her slash fiction, and she spends a lot of time um, on her character backgrounds. And she she's the trope, the person who writes a 24-page character backstory and sends it to the DM. <laughs> and Sarah, the DM, is uh, a little uh, busy. So they, they do butt heads there. Uh, in terms of Candor not getting what she wants in the game, she rolls with it. But Sarah feels a little bullied by Candor. It's not Candor's intention, but Sarah tends to roll over for things that Candor wants. The more and more we go into Candor's backstory and like who made Candor and how she plays, I I started out with like, oh yeah, she's relatable. I literally know this person. <laughs> I um I firmly believe that any situation that can be destructured from the combat rules of a crunchy RPG should be destructured from the combat rules. Do you know the cover of the five, fifth edition player's handbook with that uh, fighter and that war or that giant or like face to face? Yeah. That's absolutely like that's not combat. Like, no, that's not combat. You don't have initiative in there. The way I would structure that is by building some kind of quick and sloppy homebrew system that feels fun at the time and that accounts for the player climbing that mother yeah. stabbing it. Shadow of the Colossus but, style. But if that giant connects with any kind of hit, like, how in your mind's eye do you justify that with the combat rules? Like, like that's one and done. That's that's instant death. Like, putting that in the, the combat framework with hit points and stuff is unfair to the player because the sense of danger isn't quite right, and it's unfair to the narrative because the, the danger uh, doesn't exist in the correct way. One of the things that I do before any combat, and before I put any combat in the comic, is I ask myself, what do the creatures that the DM controls want? If they're not willing to fight to the death, they won't. If they don't, if they're if they're not going to put the stakes as high as death, then they won't. Two players drop unconscious. Uh, zombies are going to finish those up, but you're not fighting zombies all the time. Goblins, mm-hmm. goblins are going to take your food, maybe your weapons, and they're going to leave yep. because they don't want to escalate this. Because you're bigger and faster than them, and you have friends too. You're going to come hunting them, and they're smart enough to realize that. So in my world, goblins probably aren't going to finish you off. Kobolds might, because kobolds think they can prey to a big nasty dragon and will come protect them, and they're stupid. Yeah. So, but but always, like, is it a golem? Is it protecting a room? If you leave the room, the golem's fine. Golem, like, but if you have those monster motives just kind of programmed into the fight, but all of a sudden you have ways of mitigating a TPK, and you have ways of making the fights that should have a potential TPK in them feel more threatening. But th- this isn't the, the Bart preaches DM tactics hour, so... 5e is definitely not made for constant combat all the time, but 5e is my first one, so I can't say that with utmost confidence, going like, oh yeah, you know, it's not like in X, you know, other example. Is Candor musically trained? Or, I guess, and if Candor isn't, is her creator? Or is it kind of a vice versa, like, for instance, I don't consider myself very musically talented. Maybe I would make a bard if that was the case. Candor can sing, sing the theme songs that are relevant to the show she likes, but she's not classically trained or, or anything like that. What is, I guess, does she have a favorite piece of loot that she's picked up or in, in their travels? Yes, 
Um, it's it's kind of a problematic question because there's the canon storyline and then there's the one shots. Um... Uh, and in the one shot, she has a hat of disguise, and that lets her drop one of her invocations for something more useful. Um, in the canon storyline, uh, she is going to find an item that she really likes but can't necessarily have. Disguising yourself is just good, mischievous fun, and great for roleplay, and it seems like right up her alley to have this book. And you're right, it does open up some invocations in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. The, the invocation where you can cast uh, Disguise Self at will, I think, is one of the strongest things you can do where the combat or the social pillar are featured prominently. It's not great in the exploration pillar, but in social or in combat, the ability to appear as someone other than yourself is powerful. Now, what is Candor's family like? Does she know her family? Are they Were they close? Are they? Because Tieflings kind of seems all over the place, as far as I am aware of. And the Tiefling I've had in the past, she did know her family. She did hang out with them, but isn't with them anymore. How's Candor's relationship with her family? Dramatic, because that is who, who this character is. She loves drama, so she mm-hmm. couldn't not have a dramatic backstory. Her parents are humans, and they have no idea where this demonic bloodline came from, but obviously the minute she was born and had bright red skin and purple hair, there was a fight between her parents, and they couldn't wait to get rid of her. And fortunately, mm-hmm. there's this magician's guild that come and collect her for absolutely free so her family ends up being these teachers and these these other students uh in the magician's guild so that obviously she can have her magical school upbringing a la all of her favorite shows and all of her favorite manga and it it, it, her backstory is gonna read like a jrpg or a manga or uh, some kind of young adult fiction and it does have that kind of tragic almost like the the and 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 you said that she's kind of a newer uh this is like she likes it for the role play this is kind of not necessarily her first character but somebody that she's poured a lot into there's a lot of people especially on our end since we're a bunch of newbies or and whatnot a lot of uh it seems that people's knee-jerk reaction if they're not too familiar with role-playing or anything or or i guess the metagaming side of it is to make someone with a tragic backstory or something because it's just I, I mean, it's not really wish fulfillment because obviously you don't want bad things to happen to yourself, but sometimes it's just like the drama of it all. So I get it, man. I, I like I like when I make a character like for myself when I get to play and when I'm not DMing or, or when I'm making an NPC. I like it when their backstory is just, no, oh, got bored, wanted to go adventuring or uh, got greedy, needed some money. Uh, you know, a new, new cart from a horse would be great. Went out exploring. It was fun. I kept doing it. I, I like kind of avoiding the drama just because uh, it's, I think, polite to the players who are absolutely going to have a dramatic backstory. Mm-hmm. And also, the, the fewer dramatic things I put in a backstory, the less likely the DM is to use those things to stab me. Yep. <laughs> like, the, the, the character I actually am playing, uh, he's another warlock, but his name is Zane. I can't remember his last name because I haven't gotten to play him in like four months, but he's a, a Hexblade warlock named Zane. He's a, a silver dragonborn. Oh. So he's born in this village, and he's, he's big and strong, and everyone loves him, 
and he's super useful, and everyone believes that he, because he's a silver dragonborn, everyone believes that he is destined to be the savior of the village. Okay. So everyone's super nice to him all the time. And the reason he goes off adventuring is because a group that recruits heroes comes along, and he's kind of upset that even though he's supposed to be the hero of his village, they haven't like made him the mayor. So, you know, he's like, oh, they're not treating me good enough. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go off with these adventurers. That's his backstory. Easy enough. Just felt like leaving one day, that's all. I'm on the road. <laughs> Some malaise. Nothing nothing too horrible. And then the DM was like, well, you need to tell me about the person who raised you because there's going to be a nightmare sequence. I'm like, fine. If I must. <laughs> My next character is a druid, and I was just like, eh, I don't feel like I want to do the dramatic stuff. I think he just got lost, and he's out in the woods now. Whatever. Keep it as simple as that. Right on. Actually, like, most of the questions I have are pretty much answered in the beginning. <laughs> so, this is the part where I'm going to, like, lean back, and if there's any, like, parting things, like, you're the first person to have that does have stuff to plug. Um, so, if you'd like to do that now, if you want to, like, speak a little bit more about Kandor, just, like, a little parting anything... I'm keeping this super vague, so it can be anything you want, and the floor is yours. Two things. I want to plug one thing, and I want to say one more thing about Candor. Um, the thing I want to say about Candor is, if you're at all, if you ever have a political table, if you ever have a table where politics are important to any of the characters, you are inevitably going to have a player who makes the politics and the most extreme form of those politics manifest. In the characters' desires and the characters' modes of play, I, I have a buddy who always makes like Marxist revolutionary characters who are all about burning down every hierarchy they come across. So, so Candor has a little bit of that too, like a little bit of this like, uh, no, my politics are everything. That's why I can't hurt them. And I, I just want to make sure that's like out there, floating out about her, like mm -hmm. because, yeah. I, I think that's kind of charming when players do that. And uh, the thing I want to plug, obviously, is my webcomic, uh, YesThievesCan.com. It's a story about playing Dungeons & Dragons with your friends. Uh, if you like Critical Role, if you like The Adventure Zone, I think you'll like what I'm making. And I, I dare say the art is damn good. Uh, it's not. I'm not the artist, I'm the writer, but uh, the <laughs> art is great. It's super relatable. I felt like I knew the characters, if not their players or the type of player. And it wasn't even before you said that Reynaldo, when you said that he really likes Shovel Knight. And I was like, this character looks like his player likes Shovel Knight. And then as soon as I got to that page, I was like, yes, I called it. And check it out. Go to the website, Twitter. You're... It's uh, at Yes Thieves Can. Yes. Yes Thieves Can. And, and that was one of the things I was like, these can't do what? The pun was lost. I, I super appreciate you coming on. Um, obviously, like, I follow up the plugs. And I love Candor. I mean, as much as a person who just started reading. But thank you very much for coming on. And um, thanks for telling me about your elf. No problem. Keep me on your interview list. I got all kinds. You, you can't find someone on one week. Uh, hit me up. I, I can talk about characters for days. Hell yes. <laughs> Hey, y'all. 
thanks for listening to episode four of Tell Me About Your Elf. My guest, of course, was none other than Bart Click, the writer of the Thieves Cant uh, webcomic. Uh, he and Zach Stoppel, of course, uh, have been running a Kickstarter, so I figured I'd jump here in the end and plug it while there's still a little bit of time left, of course, to back it. Uh, it is Wednesday morning uh, at 3 in the morning, so there are nine hours to go. So if you're all burning the midnight oil like me, you might want to swing in and kind of see if you can help out a little bit more. Getting uh, stuff printed, of course, is no no cheap feat. So they've definitely made their goal, so that's awesome, of course. I'm not great at math, but I think it's a 300%, uh, you know, of their goals. But, you know... If you would like to get some of these neat stretch goals or, you know, get in on some of these uh, products before, of course, they hit wherever they may be sold, um, then, you know, you can still back it and get some of these neat features. So since I'm just going to do some of the basic ones, but if you do a dollar or more, you can get the PDF of the stretch goals, which will include the, the Hags Forest Hex Crawl, which is featured in the comics, uh, a bestiary that will go along with it, and an isometric dungeon maps for a few of the hex map locations. So if you just do a dollar, you can get access to these uh, PDFs and incorporate them into your own uh, sessions, which uh, that's pretty neat as far as I'm concerned. But if you want just the PDF of the comic, um, uh, the issue number two, of course, that'll be $5. If you do $15, you'll get the first and second issue PDFs. Um, if you go up to 25, you'll get the PDFs of both of the first, the first and second issue, and a printed copy of the second issue as well. Um, if you'd like both digital and printed copies, that's $45. Um, now, I'm going to skip a couple of these and get to the one that I think is pretty neat. If you go up to 100, you know, that's if you're obviously in a position where you can donate $100, that's kick ass. Um, but if you do so, you not only get a printed copy of the first issue, a signed printed copy of the second issue, uh, and then the PDFs, you can get a character commission drawn none other by Zach, and then you will, uh, they will draw your D&D character. So if you've got a character that you like, or let's see, if you would like, uh, either would like, or have played, or an old favorite, or maybe someone you'd like to bring to a certain interview podcast I don't know uh, but they'll include a print of it with your books and then they'll give you a little mini sheet as well um, now if you go up to 250 same thing but you can also uh, get a cameo in one of the future comics either your character or yourself and uh, I think that's pretty neat so you know if y'all guys have, you know, some extra dosh laying around and y'all want to back this really, really neat product, uh, project, <laughs> a project that will lead to a product, then, uh, you know, jump on in right here at the tail end and um, help them out if you if you don't mind. But um, while I'm plugging things and talking really quietly, <laughs> it's again, three in the morning and I'm trying to be quiet, but, um, you know, follow us on Twitter, or I say us, it's literally me. <laughs> But follow us on Twitter. It's at T-M-A-Y-E cast. Um, it's, uh, or, you know, you can check the hashtag T-M-A-Y-E or T-M-A-Y-E cast. Um, it's, you know me, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'll post either updates about future guests or I'll do polls to see uh, what folks might want to hear. And uh, we have a Facebook page. It's also T-M-A-Y-E cast on Facebook. 
and I don't, I'm not super active there, but I try to, you know, keep some of the stuff different between the Twitter and the Facebook, and uh, yeah, you can see pictures of um, our guests in the banners, which I think that's, that's my favorite part at least, and uh, yeah, so I appreciate the support, y'all, and um, here's to the next few episodes, right? Um, I'll see y'all in the next one. Night.